Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Welcome into Crowd Corner as we recap what happened over the weekend in Los Angeles and get you ready for another quick turnaround in Philadelphia. Will Pelagic, Jessica Charman here with you. And Jess, if we look back on what happened Saturday, I think it's another case of it wasn't necessarily the prettiest game, but I think we'll always take a victory that is less than pretty rather than a beautiful loss, if you will. Absolutely. Look. There were some good, some bad, and some ugly. But at the end of the day, the one thing that mattered was getting the three points, and Charlotte FC were able to come through with it. And as we keep saying and reiterating, the best teams, successful teams, are able to pick up points, get victories, even when they're not performing, even when they're exhausted, even when their schedule is congested. And I thought this was a great sign of growth from Charlotte FC to be able to bounce back in the way that they did after two really tough results within the last week. And then also to be able to be resilient with that exhaustion that was so clearly reflected in some of their play. I think the the big thing that we've been saying all year is these are the kinds of results they weren't getting a year ago. Like it, it took Charlotte FC in 2022 playing, you know, a world-class game to get victories last year. And they've gotten victories now in games where they haven't played well. I think that's the biggest difference between this year to last. And they're doing it, too. And you got to give a lot of credit to Christian Latanzio and even some more credit as well to the development program that's being started by Crown Legacy because they've created some depth out of players that they took from their second division team or at least people who had uh, first-team contracts that had been moonlighting with Crown Legacy. And they've used that to... I don't want to say tread water, but actually thrive in this period of time because I think we looked at all the injuries that Charlotte FC had coming into some of these contests. You wouldn't have necessarily counted them as a favorite, and yet here they are right now, sixth in the table and very much uh, gunning for a potential playoff spot. And they're getting the results on the road, which is huge. As you mentioned on the broadcast, picked up the same amount of wins on the road this early on in the season, showing that adversity, showing that mindset. You mentioned um, recruiting and the fact that Crown Legacy is doing such a great job. You've got to look at that team that scouted out these players too with the super draft, seeing this potential in players, and then the way Crown Legacy is cultivating a winning environment in MLS Next Pro, another incredible victory for them with Proteva with another goal. You start to wonder how many of these players are we going to see feature in the first team and what loopholes in the contracts are we going to be able to find because... There's competition in all avenues right now. And you look at MLS Next Pro and see the way some of these players are playing and the way they're making that jump up. And it's a great testament to what Darius said to us when we first talked to Darius Barnes, the president with uh, of Crown Legacy. He was talking about how that was the goal to be able to find the right time for these players to make the transition. And we're seeing, we're seeing how they're able to make that jump with the transition. 
certainly are. Again, shout out to our good friend Darius Barnes, Thomas Schalling, Bobby Valera, all those guys on the technical side, and also Zoran Cornetta, the sporting director, who has put together a side right now that in the thick of the MLS season is very much in good position. Want to shout out once again Justin Merrim. I don't know what funny mathematics the folks at MLS Soccer are doing because I think they somehow took off the assist that Merrim got on the goal that opened the scoring against Nashville. It would have denied him the ability to have that fifth consecutive game as a goal scorer or an assist man with a goal contribution. I'm going to count it in my records as still being an assist. That would mean that he has two goals and four assists in his five starts for Charlotte FC. Another big service in to Carol Svidersky in the 73rd minute to get us the victory in L.A. Uh, we've talked a lot about his contribution to this point of the season, Jess, and, and I have to say that this is one where I don't know if there's a midseason acquisition right now in MLS that's performing better than Justin Merrim. No, he's been brilliant, and I love the video the club posted on their social media where he's talking about loving the club, loving the fight, loving the way the boys were able to come together as a group. He slotted into this team like he was meant to be uh, a Charlotte player, and it truly looks like he's loving his soccer and having, as you described it really well, a renaissance now of a coming to life, if you might. A lot of people in Real Salt Lake, you go to those social medias when you make a signing right and you see the vibe and they weren't that impressed with Justin Marin, but we're seeing the best of him and you can tell how happy he is to be playing his soccer with Queen City. And I don't know if it's necessarily as much for Renaissance for the man that he helped out on the goal, but... I think we're seeing the Carol Svidersky that we were promised uh, coming into 2022. Again, the goal numbers overall aren't necessarily high with him yet. I mean, he just pulled into the club lead at four goals with Enzo Capetti with the goal that he scored on Saturday. But I think you're seeing an active Carol. You're seeing a Carol that is getting the service that he didn't get a year ago. And I think he's having an impact even when he doesn't have the ball because he's creating opportunities for other players. You saw a couple of big shots from the wing, especially from Kerwin Vargas in the contest. I think that this is the kind of situation right now for him where he is finding in those those spots and those pads that I feel like he can at least attack more with confidence than he might have done at any point last year. His work rate is always impeccable, and that's how he gets the goal right, just gunning towards that back post, anticipating that no one's going to be able to clear it away. I will say I think he needs to continue to grow in confidence. Some of the close-up shots that he had were pretty terrible misses, and that's not to take away from the fact he was able to show the resilience to come back and score when he was given the opportunity. I think with Carroll, and you see it in strikers a lot, when you've had some difficult times, when you've not been able to finish, you need that one goal to sort of, alleviate that pressure and I'm hoping that's what we saw this weekend and we'll see an even bigger increase in his style of play and his finishing because we know the potential he has but I still think he has more to show. We shared the video of the big save that Christian Kalina made in the contest for his first clean sheet. Uh, that was probably the highest degree of difficulty move that he had all day. There were a couple of others in the contest. He did have to clear a couple of uh, crossing chances and, and corners in the area, but uh, it was very much a, a pretty tidy day for Christian Kalina. And isn't that always the way, you know, there have been better days that he's had in terms of saving the soccer ball, but I think uh, he's unfortunately got some done, done in by uh, the defense that he's had in front of him, a couple of different contests and not been able to secure the clean sheet in his first five contests, but he gets one this weekend. And uh, isn't that always the way that sometimes it takes a day where you really don't have as much work to do 
only had to make two saves, at least on the on the score line, even though L.A. did take 14 at Charlotte FC on Saturday. But uh, he gets rewarded and finally gets the elusive clean sheet that we needed him to get. Yeah, the clean sheet's huge. It's probably the goalkeeper in me, but I don't think it was a quiet day at the office. To think back to some of the high-degree cross-cutting out that he produced, and that's where Kalina's strengths really lie when you compare him to the other two goalkeepers. I think back to Atlanta United and how much we harped on about the incredible cutout of the cross that he was able to get a deflection on in the first couple of minutes of the matches. Kalina is superior in those areas of dominating that six-yard box, of getting down sharp. I really like the save that you're talking about in question because he was able to spring up so quickly and show that agility and power, which is always in question after coming back from a surgery. I think we're seeing the best of Cali coming back and that clean sheet will bring him a lot of confidence, not just to Cali, but the whole defense, right? Because when you've only had two clean sheets on the season, you really, really want to be able to continue that trend of not conceding goals. There is something that I feel is interesting going on with this club, and I feel like you're you're seeing a lot of the the parts potentially getting to come back. Uh, we'll get into Philadelphia in just a moment, but I'm wondering too. And, and you and I have talked about this with our friend Antonio Ramos about what Charlotte FC's optimal eleven looks like. Obviously, Guzman Carujo is going to come back and very much feature prominently, we believe. I think Camille Yozviak, once he gets back to health, whether it's Wednesday or, or beyond on the weekend, will probably slot back into that right wing. It'd be pretty hard to, to cut Kerwin Vargas out of the lineup, but right now, Justin Merrim, I feel like, is playing too good to at least put out of the lineup at this point. Uh, do you feel like, you know, Tui Loma down for Carujo and then Yosviak uh, in for Vargas is at least Charlotte FC's optimal 11, especially once also Capetti gets back to the number nine position as well? I think it's probably your strongest 11 in terms of the consistency on the field, in terms of minutes and reps. Adelson Melanda's obviously been ever present, had a bit of a shaky night within moments uh, last night, and then obviously an Open Cup getting the red card. I think we saw some of that youth. But that's why I think Guzman Carujo and Melanda will be such a great pairing when Guzman Carujo brings to the table that leadership, that experience, that putting your body on the line. I know Tui Loma has that MLS experience, but I still think Carujo is an upgrade on that level of play. And you want Melanda to be able to learn and be nurtured from it. But I think Tui Loma is a great option to have on the bench to secure things out. If you go into a back five, we know he's versatile, comfortable playing as a fullback or part of a back five. So it's great to have that refreshment. In terms of Josviak, yeah, I think with how Josviak was playing before the, um, before the break, uh, before his injury, rather, he was too good to drop. I, I do have to say that we'll have to take with a pinch of salt to see how he's able to recover after that injury and if he's able to bring the same form but hopefully seeing an inform uh Vargas will help push Josviak to the next level because he's going to know there's someone breathing down his throat looking to get that starting position competition is a good thing it's a good thing to have those decisions made particularly as you've alluded to with the schedule being so intense at times where you're going to need that depth to rely on uh it was decision day throughout uh English football and playoff uh, weekend without throughout English football as well. And I did want to ask you of this because I've, I've had this conversation with a lot of English transplants who've come across and, and I even had one uh, while I was uh, out on Friday night uh, at my neighbor's house. And I wanted to ask you this because there's a lot of sentiment, not just from them, but from other people who consume soccer in this country that feel that Major League Soccer should somehow move to a promotion relegation model. 
I don't know if it's necessarily a realistic thing when you think about the amount of money that these owners spend on these franchises. I think that the uh, the expansion fee for David Tepper and Charlotte FC was somewhere in the the five hundred million category, and I think that's somewhere near the uh, the same price for what San Diego had to put in uh, for the thirtieth franchise, which will begin play in twenty twenty five. Do you think that they will, or do you think that they should potentially? maybe pursue something of this nature to create the kind of drama that we saw at Wembley with Luton Town and Cuppentry and what we saw with Sheffield Wednesday uh, earlier on Monday? I, I don't think they will. I think that it's a lot to make those big drastic changes and MLS does function well the way it is. Do I think it will be exciting? Of course I do. There's something really special about promotion and relegation and that's coming from a, a fan of a team that got relegated this year, but it creates you optimistic every season. I think what's special about having relegation as well as the fact that a lot of the times if you know you can't make playoffs or if you know that you're not going to win a championship your season's kind of done right you're just grinding through the gears and just playing these games without purpose it creates a different level of fight when everyone's fighting for their lives in some kind of different unique way without settling for that mediocrity the one way i see it actually potentially being feasible is with usl championship and league one i think usl could have a really interesting way to make their league stand out their league be different and the as you mentioned the financial standpoint maybe isn't as difficult to create that in usl i think it'll be exciting it would be different but maybe that's also why fans in the us are able to have their sort of european team and then their mls team because they like the different things that they're attached to uh, so i would say i'm for it but i don't think it's the right way in mls not exactly anytime soon anyway and I, I kind of feel the same way because I almost feel that, you know, it does create a little extra drama and a little extra part of the season. And, and I loved seeing the, the theater of what we saw, you know, with Everton uh, on Saturday or Sunday, rather, and then seeing all those things come out and play out the way that they did uh, over the course of the last couple of days. But I also, you know, think of, you know, what happened with, with Leicester and think of what happened with Leeds. And, you know, those are death knells for managers, for careers of players, and even for, you know, chairmans of, of teams. So uh, whether or not MLS will want their teams or the owners of their teams would want to take that risk inherently, I don't know, is, like you said, feasible to make happen. My other question, though, about this is that some people have used the lack of promotion and relegation to to throw barbs on the league. That's kind of where I stop uh, people when they make that type of yeah. That's statement. BS. <laughs> I think that I I don't think the lack of promotion and relegation uh, throws knives into the credibility of MLS as a league at all. I think it all just comes down to the kind of players you get, and I think we can all agree that the level of player in MLS is definitely taking a jump. It's not a retirement league anymore. Uh, and I think from a philosophical standpoint, there are they are getting more quality players, and you're seeing that from the numbers we're seeing from the transfer sales overseas. Yeah, and if that was the case, there wouldn't be the growing market for MLS action in Europe. I know a lot of people overseas that enjoy watching MLS now that are invested in the league that find it exciting. So it's okay to be different. It's okay to have different... Uh, rules, different environments. I mean, look at MLS Next Pro with the kicks from the mark and all of these exciting different things that make it a unique way of being. I think that you're clutching to straws if you're saying that Pro Rel is a reason why MLS isn't your cup of tea. It's okay to not have it as your cup of tea, but why are you trying to turn it into something it's not? 
I think MLS is growing in respect and people are wanting to come here to play now, not just to make a paycheck, but to really further their career in a different way. Look no further than our next opponent. Daniel Gazdag had a pretty lucrative offer from Besiktas and uh, decided he wants to stay with Philadelphia Union. And uh, we transitioned into Philadelphia Union with a, a very interesting contest on Wednesday. You want to talk about a tale of two matches that Charlotte FC had a year ago. Uh, they went to Philadelphia Union and played, unfortunately, one of their poorest matches. And then the return match proceeded to have one of the finest hours of this club where Daniel Rios scored a four-goal haul at home to keep Charlotte FC in the thick of the playoff race. And that was a victory also that cost uh, Philadelphia Union a chance at the Supporters' Shield down the stretch as well. They did end up going and making it to the final where they ultimately did lose to the eventual Supporters' Shield champions, LAFC. But I do feel like this is a scenario where Philly is definitely remembering that result from a year ago. Charlotte FC is coming in with a lot of confidence. Something's got to give in this one, Jess. Yeah, I mean, Philadelphia have probably circled this one on their calendars as a match where they want to basically shut up Charlotte, right? Charlotte FC, the reason why they weren't able to win the Supporters' Shield, like you say, an embarrassing result, losing 4-0, conceding those goals when you were such a sturdy defensive side like the Union. So I think this is going to be a revenge matchup for Philadelphia Union. But for Charlotte FC, it's a great opportunity to show their growth from the last time they played in Philadelphia. You mentioned it wasn't a very good performance, a 2-0 loss away from home. But Charlotte FC is now kind of exercise the demons of playing on the road. They look a lot better when they're on the road. They look like they have a game plan. And as we know, Charlotte FC historically has done an okay job of playing sides that like the press. I do think we need to be tidier with that. When I look back to a few of those moments against LA Galaxy where there were cheap giveaways, there was an Adelson Melanda era. Christian Kalina didn't have the best distribution in moments. LA Galaxy had some shocking finishing from those moments with Chicharito uh, pooping his pants in front of goal one time and going for the cross. That's not going to happen against the Union, right? They're clinical. They know how to finish those opportunities. So we need to make sure that we stay focused at all times. I think that focus and understanding of when to play out the back and when to go long is going to be very important in this match. And, and the thing, too, is that we've always talked about their team as being ones without really a quote-unquote star. Well, they've got guys who've grown into stars like Gazdag, like Julian Carranza, like Mikhail Uwa. I mean, there, there are guys who are committed to that system under Jim Curtin. Uh, like you said, it, it doesn't create the most aesthetically pleasing brand of soccer, but it works for them. Uh, my, uh, my, my at least solace coming out of this one, though, is exactly what you said, though. I think that Charlotte FC has learned to play the kind of game against the pressing style. The thing that I love that they did in the return match is they made Philadelphia possess the ball and they came to realize that Philadelphia were so uncomfortable in that model, and it, it caused them basically to be beaten by their own uh, by their own medicine, so to speak. You, they were caused into making mistakes. Uh, they do have uh, a shored up back line. They brought Damian Lowe over uh, from Inter Miami, so it's a situation where they've tried everything they possibly can. You know, in that back line with Jack Elliott and Glesnes. Sometimes they've played a back three to try and be more secure on the back half outside of that 4-4-2 diamond that they normally employ. Uh, I wonder whether or not Alejandro Bodoya is going to be back as well. But it's a scenario for Charlotte FC that I, I wasn't necessarily as uh, terrified about this game going into it now the week of than I might have been, say, if we had looked at this before the season started. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I think we've shown a lot of growth from the last times we played against high-pressing sites, obviously. Um St. Louis 
play a very disruptive style of play and we struggled against that one trailing 3-1 in that game. So we've shown a lot of growth, a lot of discipline, a lot of changes since then. We've also seen an improvement in our side's willingness to clear the back line when they need to and not force it out of the back. So I feel more secure about this matchup than in previous years, but you cannot ignore the form of Philadelphia, right? I don't think they've lost at home since April 8th, something like that, when I was doing my notes uh, in terms of in MLS. Obviously, they've had a few upsets in Open Cup and things like that, but they're a side that is feeling very confident in their own ability, and they'll go into this one feeling like they're the favourites, and Charlotte FC needs to really disrupt that by stepping in their house and performing well. Charlotte FC and Philadelphia Union, we are on the air Wednesday for that contest at 7 o'clock, 7.39, first kick. Uh, concerns quickly, Chess, about, about Charlotte FC playing again with this match load. Again, we've talked about it over the course of the last couple of weeks, game weekend, game midweek, game weekend. They've had this little back and forth between Open Cup and some of the condensed nature of the uh, midweek matches as well. Uh, is this something you look at and say maybe is a, a set of caution once again for FC, or do you feel like they're okay right now? No, I think there is a caution or some concern with when you look at the body language on the field, when you look at the way that players like Harrison Orfall left the field looking absolutely exhausted. Derek Jones did well, but was extremely tired. Brian Bronico looked mentally tired. It's difficult. It's very difficult to raise your level consistently week in, week out, particularly with the midweek games. Just hoping that they focus on that recovery. A lot of miles going into their belt, obviously going from west to east coast. Um, that is a concern to me. And that's the difference between playing at home and on the road in MLS, right? But hopefully we've got enough experience now and enough depth, like you said. Uh, I hope we see some subs early on if needed in this one. Won't see a midweek match again for Charlotte FC until the 21st, and that comes after the bye week. So they'll have an 11-day break following a week from Saturday against Seattle. So Charlotte FC will be very much happy to get out of this uh, period of time after Wednesday and then at Columbus on Saturday. Looking forward to joining you on Wednesday. And Jess, looking forward to talking with you as always. And uh, I'll see you on the midweek. See you then, Willie Pete. That is our chance to talk about not only our victory over LA Galaxy, but also the upcoming tilt against Philadelphia Union. Be sure to rate, subscribe, and like Crown Corner wherever you get your podcasts. We'll talk to you on Wednesday on the Charlotte FC Radio Network.